may be seated, church. Are you thankful for the one that has final victory this morning, church? I certainly am. Amen. Well, my name is Luke, one of the pastors here at Holy Chapel. We're so grateful that you're with us this morning. Have you ever been offended by Mother Nature? Anyone? Anyone? Who was offended this last week by Mother Nature? I've been offended twice in my life that I really can remember this past week when I couldn't hardly breathe outside, and then on the, the, the very day that I decided to ask my wife's parents if I could marry her, you, you see, it was during tornado season, and while I'm at her, her parents' house, you know, nervous, trembling before her father and her mother, may I marry your daughter, and sitting there waiting for the answer, I get the reluctant yes, and then as I'm sitting there, a tornado starts to move through the state of Arkansas, and while my truck is sitting in the driveway, a gigantic hailstorm comes through and destroyed my truck. The story doesn't stop there. You see, church, the tornado starts to come towards her hometown, and in that moment, they're like, hey, we probably need to seek shelter. Might I add, about 10 minutes previous, I had just asked if I could marry their daughter. So we all have to run in the rain, in the hill, across the road to their neighbor's storm cellar, where there's about 20 people in about a five-person storm cellar, arm in arm with her dad, the entire time as the tornado blows over. So you see, you can be offended by Mother Nature. <sighs> Do you have a story like that when you ask guys to marry your wife? You remember it, don't you? Hailstorms. Well, church, we're still in our sermon series called Letters to My Son. And I want you to grab your Bibles, and I want you to go to 1 Timothy chapter 4. 1 Timothy chapter 4. As you're turning there... Let's rehash. Last week, in chapter 3, we set up the thought that God has order. That we see this from the very beginning of Scripture, in the book of Genesis, even in creation, God is a God of order, not a God of chaos. And then we see in the structure of His church, He has a plan and He has an order. And we work through the structure of God's church. And we concluded ultimately that we are doing our best, hopefully we're doing our best as his church to stay as close as we can to his order so that we could be found effective in sharing the gospel. Amen, church? So that's what we gained from chapter 3, that God is a God of order. He has a plan for his church. So this week, if you'll bear with me, we're going to read chapter 4 in its entirety. So 1 Timothy chapter 4 will turn away from the true faith. They will follow deceptive spirits and teachings that come from demons. These people are hypocrites and liars, and their consciences are dead. They will say it is wrong to be married and wrong to eat certain foods, but God created those foods to be eaten with thanks by faithful people who know the truth. Since everything God created is good, we should not reject any of it, but receive it with thanks, for we know it is made acceptable by the word of God in prayer. If you explain these things to the brothers and sisters, Timothy, you will be a worthy servant of Christ Jesus, one who is nourished by the message of faith and the good teaching you have followed. Do not waste time arguing over godless ideas or old wives' tales. Instead, train yourself to be godly. Physical training is good, 
But training for godliness is much better. Why don't you work out, Luke? I'm training for godliness. Anybody ever said that? There you go. Highlight it, underline it. Maybe you needed that today. Promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. This is a trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it. This is why we work hard and continue to struggle, for our hope is in the living God, who is the Savior of all people, and particularly of all believers. Teach these things and insist that everyone learn them. Don't let anyone think less of you because you were young. Be an example to all believers in what you say, in the way you live, in your love, your faith, and your purity. Until I get there, focus on reading the scriptures to the church, encouraging the believers and teaching them. Do not neglect the spiritual gift you received through the prophecy spoken over you when the elders of the church laid their hands on you. Give your complete attention to these matters. Throw yourself into your task so that everyone will see your progress. Keep a close watch. This is crucial. Keep a close watch on how you live and on your teaching. Stay true to what is right for the sake of your own salvation and the salvation of those who hear you. Thank you for bearing with me as we read chapter 4. Paul speaks of a lot. Now, now remember what is happening here, the context of the letter. Paul is about to send Timothy into the church at Ephesus because things have gone astray. So what you see here in chapter 4 is a little bit of teaching and a little bit of encouragement. He's building Timothy up. He's refocusing. He's saying, hey, this is what you need to be focused on. But the matter at hand is false teaching. There's, there's some things happening that we got to get lined out. Beware, Timothy. False teachers are coming. As you saw at the very beginning of chapter 4, he says that through the guidance of the Holy Spirit, we know some things are going to happen. Some false teachers are going to show up. People are going to be led astray. When did we first hear about false teachers? In chapter 1. What is... A false teacher. What is Paul really warning Timothy about? We know from our studies in chapter 1, these false teachers in Ephesus were taking the gospel and they were twisting it. They, they were leaving out Jesus. They, they, they were preaching legalism. They were preaching law. And they were leaving out Christ. So they were preaching a false gospel. They were false teachers. And what Paul does to Timothy here is to say, listen, more teachers are coming do you believe that false teachers exist today? Let's rehash that question, and I want to hear us. Do you believe that false teachers exist today? They do. They were present then, and they are present now. What is a false teacher? A false teacher is one that twists the gospel. They leave out Jesus. I want to tell you this morning that this is not, I don't want to phrase it, this is not a, this is not a paranoia sermon. That this is not a morning for us to begin to freak out, that there are a bunch of dangerous people out there. There are, but this is a sermon to teach us about false teachers. So I don't want you to leave here today just on edge, paranoid, that everybody's out to get you. Today's message is much like what Paul was trying to teach Timothy. It's just a warning, beware, be on guard, use your eyes, use your heart, use discernment, beware of false 
teacher. So in Scripture, who else speaks about false teachers? We're going to jump out of Timothy for a while this morning to look at the greater scope of Scripture to see what other writers, what Christ said about false teachers. I want you to go to Matthew chapter 7. This is going to help us this morning. Matthew chapter 7. We're going to read 15 through 20. These are the words of Christ. And I want you to see what he says about false prophets, false teachers, how Christ teaches about it. Verse 15, he says, Beware of false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep, but are really vicious wolves. You can identify them by their fruit. That is, by the way they act. Can you pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? A good tree produces good fruit, and a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit, and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. So every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. Yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions. You see, Paul warns Timothy about false teachers. Now Christ is teaching about false teachers in the Gospels. And what we know about false teachers is very simple. You can, you can point them out by their false teaching. But here's what we know about false teachers. This is what Christ says. He's like, listen, they're going to come to you as sheep, but they're really wolves. So you see about false teachers, they're, they're disguised. They're tricksters. That's what they're in the business of doing. It's taking a little bit of truth and wrapping it in, in, in false so that you, you hang on to a little bit of truth, but, but you're tricked by all that they're deceiving you by. They give you a little bit of good and a whole lot of bad just to bring you in. They're, they're really good at that. They're really good at deceiving you. So what Jesus says is not only listen to what they say, but watch how they live. It's going to be on the screen. I want you to write this down. That false teachers are false by what they teach and how they live. I want you to hang on to that. I want you to remember that. False teachers are false by what they teach. But remember, picking up on what they teach is not always as easy as it sounds. So Jesus says, observe how they live. Their life will give them away. Why are we talking about this this morning? I believe that Christ wants his children to have the discernment and the tools to be able to figure out who is a false teacher and who is not. Do you believe that this morning, church? That God loves you enough. He's giving you tools. He's giving you warnings in Scripture for us to be able to discern who is a false teacher and who is not. So what Jesus does, he takes it a step further. He says, not only what they say but it's how they live. Did you notice at the end of chapter 4 that Paul warns Timothy, he says, keep a close eye on your teaching and also the way that you live. Why? So that nobody can hold anything against you, son. Not only what you say, but how you live. You ever heard a true statement? It's so simple that actions speak louder than words. 
Actions very much do speak louder than the words said. But here's the tension this morning. God's called me to teach. God's called the pastors and elders here to teach. So this morning, in essence, I don't know if you kind of feel the tension or not, I'm teaching you on how to spot if what's happening up here is false. Do you feel the weirdness? I do. I will just give it a hug this morning. But, but I would be failing if I'm not teaching the people of God on how to discern who's a false teacher and who isn't. So this morning, that's our task. Remember, not paranoia, but to understand and learn how to spot a false teacher. So we have Paul speaking about it. We have Jesus teaching on it. And I want you to go to 2 Peter now as he explains further what Jesus means. And as you're turning there, I want to remind you about the qualifications that we discussed in chapter 3, that there are, in fact, qualifications for a teacher. There are qualifications for a church overseer. And what 2 Peter does here is Peter takes what Jesus says. It's not only what they say, but it's how they live, and he gives some context. What, What are we looking for in a false teacher? What are we looking for? Peter does a great job explaining it. In 2 Peter chapter 2, we're going to read 1 through 3. He says, but there were also false prophets in Israel, just as there will be false teachers among you. They will cleverly teach destructive heresies and even deny the master who bought them. In this way, they will bring sudden destruction on themselves. Many will follow their evil teaching and shameful immorality. And because of these teachers, the way of truth will be slandered. In their greed, they will make up clever lies to get a hold of your money. But God condemned them long ago, and their destruction will not be delayed. And all of God's people said, thank you, God. Their destruction will not be delayed. So you see what Peter does here. He takes the teachings of Jesus and he gives more details on how a false teacher typically lives their lives. Now, what I want you to do in your own time is I want you to read all of chapter 2 in 2 Peter. I want you to read all of it. But what we can do in the first three verses is get some good clues on how to spot a false teacher. Now, we're not going to go in depth in all of these, but here's what I want you to do. I want you to take a picture of these. I want you to write these down. That typically, here's what we see from verse 1, is that there are going to be prideful men. Prideful. They're going to be arrogant. We see this in verse 1, that they deny the master who bought them. What does this mean? They don't submit to authority. They don't submit to authority at all. False teachers have a tendency to be prideful and arrogant. Above correction. Above accountability, they're arrogant people. And so what Peter says is beware of that pride side of things. See if they are prideful or arrogant. The second thing that Peter says, he says, be on watch for their sensuality, is what another translation reads. In the one we read, it says shameful immorality, which typically means sexual sin. 
false teachers are going to be more prone to sexual sin. They may even live it out publicly. So he says, be, beware. Make sure they are teachers of good moral character, that their lives follow what they say. Be careful. Watch for this. The third thing that he brings about is greed. We see this in verse 3. In their greed, they will exploit you. Not just in the context of church, but if you remember in chapter 3, it says an overseer or a deacon must not love money. That a, false, that, that a teacher, that a true teacher, must not be persuaded by materialistic things. You can spot a false teacher by their desire for stuff, their greed, they want. They are persuaded by money. So what Second Peter does here is he says, all right, we've got the teachings of Christ. He's like, you're going to watch them, and you're going to see how their life bears fruit. Why? Because teaching sometimes is subtle. It's hard to pick up on, but a life isn't. Right, church? Boy, you can see how somebody lives, and you can pick up on it real quick. Here's where we get into some real good application for us this morning, church. That's why it's so important, listen to me, so important for you to belong to a local church, for you to be present, for you to sit under the teaching of a pastor, for you not only to sit under their teaching, but to live life with them so you can see them. You, you see, if you're plugged into a church, you're involved, and we're doing our job, typically we might, we might coach soccer together. You can see how we live. You know I'm not, because I'll lose it, but we're going we're gonna to go, we're going to go, we're going to eat dinner together. I'm going to go to your house, you're going to come to my house, we're going to have small groups together. You're, you're going to see how we live, right? We're going to worship together each week. You're going to be able to observe your teachers. How can you know somebody's fruit unless you observe them? But this is where we're at. These are the dangers in which I think we live. So many of us subject ourselves to false teaching without ever examining the teacher. We, we willingly submit to teaching without ever knowing the teacher. What do, I, what do I mean by this? Anybody have that favorite podcast pastor? I do. Nobody's going to own that with me. The pastor's up front, yeah. Have that favorite podcast pastor. How about that, that favorite church that you like to listen to on YouTube outside of Holly Chapel, right? Anybody got that one? Yeah. Or how about this one, that favorite aisle at Mardell's? You know the one? You just can't wait. Maybe once a month you go there, can't wait to peruse, see what else is new, the new, the new book distributed. Now listen to me. I'm not harping on you. I have my favorite podcast pastor. I have my favorite church that I follow on YouTube. And I love a good resource every now and again. But listen to me, church. How well can you examine that teacher? 
How, how well do you know the pastor that's teaching you on that podcast on the way to work? Do you know how that particular church holds him accountable? How well do you know the doctrine and the teachings of the church that you listen to on YouTube? How, how well do you know it? Or how about that favorite book that you found in Mardell's, that, that, that book that had all those quotes that helped change your life? What do you know about that author that wrote the book? Now you might say, Luke, you're, you're getting old school and weird and a little paranoid right now. This is exactly what Paul was saying to Timothy in chapter 4. He says, teach these things to the people of God. Why? So they will not be led astray. I love you enough to tell you to beware of what you listen to and what you read. I even think that's going to be on the screen just so we know that it's important. I want you to write that down. Be careful of who and what you allow to influence your walk. Be very careful of that church. That if you're going to choose to listen to that pastor, make sure that there are systems in place just like there are here to keep that man accountable so that you can be sure that he is not a false teacher. That church that you're following on YouTube, I get it, they got great music and the pastor is awesome and there's lights and everything, but make sure that what you're exposing yourself to, the teaching that you are listening to is sound in doctrine. If you remember week one, it was in big letters on the screen. It said, sound doctrine matters. Make sure that what you are listening to is rooted in the Word of God. Make sure that the books that you pick up aren't just a bunch of ideas and thoughts and experiences, but they are rooted in the Word of God. Now, here's where I'm at. I love all of these resources. But since I can't know and evaluate the pastors and the teachers personally, I make sure that I go through extra care in everything that I read, everything that I hear, I take it and I measure it up to the Word of God. And if it falls short, I do away with it. And I don't allow it to have influence on my life. People of God, beware. Is it not a wonderful time in history in which we live when on your device, whatever it may be, you can just click on an app and have endless resources at your fingertips? Isn't that awesome? But at the very same time, it can be very, very dangerous. The Word of God says they come in like sheep, but they're actually wolves. I want to share a story with you. I don't typically do this. I'm not going to name names. not going to give names to churches. I'll tell you in private. But this past week, a very prominent church, a church in which you know their music, you know their pastor, tons of subscribers, Side, side mark, just because they have lots of subscribers doesn't mean they have lots of discernment. This particular church this past week was in affiliation with the Southern Baptist Convention, which we strongly associate with. They said, we don't want to be a part of that anymore. Why don't they want to be a part of that anymore? Because they disagree with some of the doctrine that the Southern Baptists teach. The main thing is that only men can be pastors. 
this particular church feels that women can be. And Pastor Keaton, a few weeks ago, did a wonderful job taking the word of God and saying, women can be a lot of things, but God's not called women to be pastors, amen? So this particular church that has a whole lot of influence, when I say a whole lot of influence, I'm talking top two in the nation, in the world, a whole lot of influence, has neglected sound doctrine. So I say that not to freak you out, but just be very, very careful on who and what you allow to influence your walk. And if you need it, absolutely. There are supplementary resources and teachers and pastors out there that are wonderful, that are there that can help you immensely. But make sure you examine them just as the word of God says. Remember that Christ loves us enough to give us the tools and beg us for discernment to be able to find these false teachers out. Why? Because listen to me, just as we finished in chapter four, I wanna read it again. I wanna read it again. Paul gives this warning to to Timothy. He says, keep a close watch on how you live and on your teaching. Stay true to what is right for the sake of your own salvation and the salvation of those who hear you. These false teachers are leading people astray. They are taking the gospel and they are twisting it. And people's souls are paying the price. So child of God, again, this is not a paranoia sermon. This is a message this morning from the word of God warning the people of God, be careful of what you allow to influence you and your walk. As we all came together in unison and said, false teachers are among us today. Be very, very careful of who you listen to. And I would encourage you, get to know your pastors. Get to know your elders. I can speak from experience. They're wonderful men. Let me pray for us. God, we love you. Thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the instruction that it brings. Thank you for this letter written to Timothy, inspired by the Holy Spirit. Thank you for the warnings that we see, and I pray that we would heed these warnings. We want to know you more. We want to pursue you more. We want to learn. We want to grow. God, help us to discern who is false and who is true. Let everything that we hear, everything that we read, be measured up to the true standard, which is the Word of God. Help us, your church, as we pursue you. Thank you for your son, Jesus. We ask everything in his precious name. Amen.